You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. It's time for the BallQuest Mailbag Podcast, answering your questions from the General's Quarters every week, right here on BallQuest. A good Thursday, everybody, and welcome to the BallQuest Mailbag Podcast, BallQuest.com and BallQuest on the YouTube channel. Thank you for watching and subscribing to the BallQuest YouTube channel. Go ahead and like this video as well. Let's get it up to 500 likes. Got a lot to get into. Some really good mailback questions here on this Thursday revolving Tennessee recruiting, transfer portal, the spring semester, hoops, a little bit of baseball in there as well. But before we get into that, as we're welcomed by Brent Hubbs, Rob Lewis, and Matt Ray, I'm Eric Kane. Brent, wanted to ask you about the news that came down yesterday. It was Athletics Director Danny White, not just Josh Heupel getting paid, but Danny White gets an extension as well. That's right. Um, it's the Oprah mentality, right? You get a car, I get a car, you get some cash, you get cash, don't you know, pass go and get a couple hundred thousand dollars or, or whatever. Um, you know, Danny White's obviously done a good job in two years. I think he inherited a pretty healthy department outside of football, but he's got football right. When you get football right, everybody is making more money and, and everybody's happy. It's a uh, it's a very good contract for Danny White. I mean, a six-year deal with a 5% rollover every year. Uh, it stays whole at six years. It never drops below six years. Um with that automatic rollover, he maxes out his bonuses at $300,000, $2.2 million with a 5% raise every year uh, guaranteed. Uh, the buyout, if if Tennessee were to fire him without cause, they would owe him the entire contract with whatever number of years are going to be left over, which would be five, right? Because he would be in the middle of that one, that six years. So it would be five years times whatever his salary is at that point. Uh, and then if Danny White wanted to leave, he would owe the university one year of his salary, whatever he's making that particular year, uh, unless Chancellor Plowman is not here, and it would be 50%. And I think that's Danny White's version and way of saying, look, we're in great alignment, and I don't know that we would have the same alignment if the Chancellor's not here. And so he's got himself an easier way to get out or a cheaper way to get out if you wanted to, if Chancellor Plowman were to leave and they brought in a chancellor who was not as gun ho about athletics and not as supportive as, of athletics as she has been. But when things are going well, everybody gets paid. And that's been the, that's been the case this week at the University of Tennessee. Yeah, no doubt. Tuesday it was Josh Heupel uh, going from $5 million to $9 million uh, through January 2029. On Wednesday it was Danny White going from $1.9 million to $2.2 million with a 5% raise each and every year of that rollover contract a lot of money being dished out over at the university of tennessee all right let's get into these mailbag questions we'll start off with football leo's buddy the current offensive lineman seem to love glenn ellerby and he seems like he's a good coach but we can't seem to get any traction with an elite offensive lineman do any of the mods have an opinion on why that seems to be the case matt if you want to lead us off here yeah, you know, I wouldn't go as far as to not say that Tennessee hasn't been able to get any traction with a lead offensive bomb. They've had traction at times. You know, there were 
points last summer where it felt like Lucas Simmons and, and Francis Malioa might have both, you know, committed to Tennessee. It's more of, you know, being able to close the deal. And I think some of those are unique circumstances, even looking back to a guy like Stanton Ramil, um, who Tennessee had good dialogue with throughout that recruiting cycle. But everyone sees him as a guy that, you know, is from the South. He's at Thompson there in Alabama, wins a few state titles. So why is he going to Michigan State? But the backstory there is he's uh, spent – you know, 16 years up north, you know, from upper New York. He loved it up there, and that's where he wanted to be. He had an opportunity to go back up there, and it all, you know, unfolded for him at Michigan State. So, you know, I don't think it's a lack of getting traction. I think it's just sometimes these are big-time recruiting battles that are that are hard to win and the ones that you you want to be in. And I think Glenn Ellerby has done a, a nice job of getting Tennessee involved in them and has Tennessee involved in, in several, again, in the 2024 cycle. I think when you, Rob, when you talk about offensive line coaches, they probably need help closing the door, with the exception of a couple of names that come to mind, right? I mean, Greg Atkins was Greg a Atkins. He was a good one. And there was a guy who was a, an offensive line coach here who went on to become the head coach here and is in the Hall of Fame, and Philip Fulmer, who, who was a really good recruiter. Yeah. Mike Perry uh, was a pretty good recruiter. Yeah, it was okay. I mean, Harry Heastead? Yeah, no. I mean, you know, and so I think I think when and Steve Marshall would be another one that I would throw into the category of not being an elite recruiter. I think what when you when you balance out a staff, when you put a staff together, and that's changing a little bit with the portal and NIL and some of those types of things. But I think for years that the thought process was running backs coach got to be elite recruiter, right? Got to be a big time recruiter. Um for years, the tight ends coach was kind of an afterthought in a recruiter. That position's changed a little bit. Receivers coach needs to be able to recruit. You get, you're willing to give up a little bit of a recruiter with your offensive line coach because that's such a technical and developmental position. So if you're sitting there going, great recruiter, okay offensive line coach, great offensive line coach, okay recruiter, you're going to take the great offensive line coach because you have to develop in that spot so much. I'm not saying Glenn Ellerby's a bad a recruiter because he, he's not a bad recruiter, but I think for Tennessee to close out at that at that offensive line position, Matt, I think it's going to require everybody to help them close that out instead of just being the one closer, instead of Glenn Ellerby just being the hammer that goes into a home and closes things out. I may be wrong there, but that's kind of my, my feeling about the offensive line position, Matt. Yeah, no, I mean, I think I agree with you. And you, you even look at Sham Umarov. You know, that was a guy Tennessee evaled and loved. You know, they loved his size. They loved his ability. But it, it got to the point where that was a, a joint effort there with Umarov. I mean, you had Alex Galesh involved at the time, Josh Heupel involved, because Georgia kind of started creeping in there later, closer to that commitment date and trying to get him to hold off. So I agree, Brent. I mean, I think that's one of the things that stands out with Glenn Ellerby is – that track record as a developer and, and he's hit on evaluations. I mean, if you, if you would have told me that Tennessee would have got, you know, the amount of serviceable reps that they've got from JJ Crawford when he initially committed, I, I probably would have lost some money to you, you know, so he, he's developed into a nice tackle, you know, body that helped Tennessee last year and is going to have a chance to help them even more this year. So I, I, really ask, I, I don't know the answer to this, but I, you know, I know that, you know, hooker and other quarterbacks in the system get, get deemed because it's a, you know, their, their system quarterbacks are just benefiting from the scheme. Is, is there some of that about the offensive line as well, do you think, that, that maybe they get hurt in recruiting? Yeah, I mean, it's a good question. I don't think so, Rob, but but listen, I mean, they need Darnell Wright to go make money in the NFL, right? I mean, because yeah. there's a feather in your cap that you can say, 
hey, look what we did. Darnell Wright wasn't on anybody's radar screen. He put the work in with our development, and look where we got Darnell Wright to, you know, in terms of being in the National Football League. That, that's why the, the kid from the Bills who played at Central Florida that had 200 yards receiving in the playoffs a year ago was a nice feather in the cap. Getting Jalen Hyatt drafted, Valus Jones drafted. At the end of the day, that's – I mean, I know it's all about money, right, the NIL and, and, and all these things. Guys are looking at who's going to the league, right? Who's developing them the opportunity to go and make long-term money is ultimately what guys are looking at in all sports, not just football, but I think college basketball falls into that category as well. Um, So I don't know that they get dinged, but it would certainly help them for a Darnell Wright to hear his name called, you know, pretty early in the draft to to further enhance the development and and a tangible result of that development, if you will, uh, from a cash standpoint for players to see. Got a couple here from Volkin. We'll start off with hoops, Rob. Do you guys think that this team with their length and defensive versatility are better suited to make a longer tournament run than any of Coach Barnes' teams since Grant and Admiral were on the floor? I, mean, I, I don't know that. Oh, better suited than since Grant, Grant and Admiral? Yes. Yes. I mean, mm-hmm. yes. <laughs> Short answer, yes. I thought they were arguing about What about, about with those guys on the floor? No. That's I mean, kind of how not, I interpreted it first before I looked at the question, actually. No, not, <laughs> not when you take the two-time SEC player of the year off of the floor. I, I, I give that team a better chance. And it's so much of it's matchup, Rob. I mean, you know, I mean, I know defense travels, but some of it is is just matchup, and that's the, that's what makes the the NCAA tournament to me such a crapshoot. I mean, the question in the chat, Eric, that was asked was, what's harder to do? And, and I think, uh, you know, is it going to the College World Series? Is it the Final Four? Is it you know winning a conference championship in football? I think when you look at it. Baseball is the hardest to get to, but but basketball, Rob, might require the most good fortune of any of them because it's, it's, it's you know, who do you match up with and, and how do you play that particular weekend in the matchup? I mean, I, th- I think there's a big element of luck in the basketball because of what you're talking about. In football, I mean, I might be wrong. I don't think there's a lot of luck. I mean, maybe at the end of a, you know, tight, close game and, you know, you get a turnover that goes your way. But, I, I mean, I really think that you don't see many – pretenders winning the college football championship i don't i don't think but i mean you can get a cinderella to the final four if things break right i mean i go back to uh what was it when did they lose to Loyola? was it 2018 17 somewhere around there that, that year like if tennessee you know doesn't lose to Loyola in the round of 32 that bracket opened up and parted with the red sea i mean yeah. there was i mean there was wasn't a top five seed you know, left playing in, in the Sweet 16. And again, Rob, the shot that beat Tennessee in that game, it hit every single part of that rim. Yep. Every and part then, of it. <laughs> and, and, I mean, and ten, I mean we, you can go back and rehash it. I mean, Tennessee played without Kyle Alexander. You know, Admiral had the – was it Admiral – no, Josh Bone had the had the bad foul in the breakaway – or Jordan Bone, excuse me. Anyway, I, I just think in, in basketball there's an element of luck that is not present in football where I think you've just got to be able you, – you've got to be a bunch of bad boys to win the football championship and you – you can't, you can't dodge that. No. Uh, got, got one more here from Vulcan back on football. What's keeping Tyler Barron from really having a breakout season? And is Simmons ever going to be more than a bit player on the defensive line at Tennessee? I guess that means rotational player. Uh, Tyler Barron, Brent, what's keeping Tyler Barron from breaking out? Well, he's got to stay healthy. I mean, you know, you're talking about a guy who practiced one time leading up to the Orange Bowl. Um, you know, he, he's got to stay on the field, on the practice field for development. I think he needs to further embrace being an inside guy. That's I what I, I was going to say. Yeah, I don't think he's an outside edge rusher the way that 
maybe he wants to be. I think his best football, most productive football is playing inside in pass rush situations. He's got to embrace that more. Um, you know, and, and again, I think he, I think he's got to stay, got to stay healthy and, and be on the practice field for, for, you know, for further development. That that's what I see, Eric. I mean, you, you're at practice every day. I mean, that we're out there allowed. I don't know how you see it, but that's, those are the two things that jump out to me about him. Yeah. I mean, I would agree. Uh, I'm not there every single second of every day. None of us are, but I would say just the, um, stay on the field and buy in for lack of better terms, uh, more so than anything. Cause he's got talent. I mean, he does, he's got talent. He just has to practice, has to stay on the field. And he played more snaps this year, despite quote unquote, losing his starting position. I mean, he was, he was on the field and played a whole lot more. He missed a lot of snaps the year before that, which was you know, Hubbard. If you, if you get in the way back machine, is it, is it too much? I'm not going overboard. Is there a little Turk McBride there who was a much better player when he slid inside? Uh, I, I think I, I think Tyler can be more productive, but he is not Turk McBride's ability level. Turk McBride, Turk McBride was he was more bendable and fluid, if you will, than you think at, at a guy that size. That's why he played in the National Football League for a while. I, I, I just, you know, and he was a bit he was a bigger guy. Turk McBride was an undervalued player at Tennessee. Oh, the other thing sure. Turk McBride had to him where that Tyler could learn from. He was a tough son of a gun. He had that New Jersey, you know, just kind of me against the world type approach. And when he bought into and used that approach, he was really good. When when he wasn't bought in, it was a bit of a problem. Uh, but but Turk McBride was um, – but, yes, to, to, to your premise of the point, better inside player than outside player. And certainly Turk McBride was a much better inside player than outside guy. And with, with Tyler, you see spurts of that, right? I mean, the Pittsburgh game, he was all over the place. The Missouri game, he was all over the place. I'll say this for Tyler Barron. If it, if it does click, you know, for him, he'll be, he'll be a dangerous player. I mean, he's, again, he's got all the ability in the world, but you know, to the, to the posters point, I mean, there's not really been a, a true breakout consistent year for him so far in his Tennessee career. Uh, let's go to Z Vols. Do you expect the developments of the defense and the additions through the portal and high school to offset the drop-off in offensive production, Matt? I'm sure Tennessee's going to say, well, what offensive drop-off? We're, we're, we don't plan on dropping off anywhere in that regard. Yeah, I mean, that's what I was about to say. You know, we'll see where the offense is. How hard is it to replicate a number one offense again? Yeah. But, you know, there's some intriguing pieces there, and there's some continuity coming back at places. You add Dante Thornton, you know, where does Squirrel White? you know, step in. But, yeah, I mean, I think so. I think the defense got deeper. I think the defense got bigger and faster and stronger through the transfer portal, through the high school recruiting ranks. So, yeah, I, I think it does help. You know, I think Tennessee, obviously that offensive identity is still going to be there. But I think any time that you can, you know, you're replacing a guy like Kendon Hooker or a Blitnikoff winner and Jalen Hyatt, you're going to look for anything you can to – to offset some of that production, does does Dante Thornton and, and Joe Milton or, or Nico Iamaliava, whoever wins the starting quarterback battle that Joey Halsley has said they'll have this spring, um, how, how do those guys click? Where does that go? I don't know. But, yeah, I think the defense is definitely poised to take another step forward next year. Yeah, and I, you know, I think this defense, Eric, did more good things than maybe people want to give it credit oh, for. Oh, yeah. Now, now hey, this, South Carolina happened. You can't well, erase it. That, look, that was second, awful. The secondary wasn't very good. Okay, the yeah. secondary had the issues. There's no doubt about that. But I think this defense is always going to give up some yards because they're always going to play a gazillion snaps. Yep. So I, I think we live in a world where throwing for 400 yards doesn't automatically mean a win for an offense, Rob. You know, And, and so it's going to be about red zone production for the defense. 
and and how do you do on third and third and medium, third and long when you have a chance to get on the field? And those are two areas where I think Tim Banks's defense made some really solid strides in year two. Perfect, no, no, not even close, you know. But this program's not perfect; they haven't arrived either. But I, I, I think there was some nice growth in some different areas for this defense that probably doesn't get as much credit as it deserves because of the South Carolina game. Yeah. And, and Hubbard, I mean, to your point, I mean, I, I started, I mean, it's, it's kind of dawned on me, you know, this year, cause I, I do the matchup piece every week. So I'm looking at a ton of stats from everybody. And it did start to occur to me that you probably do need to look at Tennessee stat. You don't need to look at total yardage. You know, you, you don't scoring is probably not, you know, apples and it's probably apples and oranges to a team that doesn't play like Tennessee. Third, like you talked about, third down defense, red zone defense. I, I think are the the areas where where you really look and kind of gauge what these guys are doing more than your traditional metrics, just because nobody plays offense like they do. And the uh, the TFL numbers were not as much as the year before, where they really shine had like 103 or whatever. They were still up there. I want to say in the 80s, maybe close to the 90s. And rush defense, I think it was. Yeah. I don't have it pulled up in front of me. I think it was fourth and fourth in the league, so a good step in that right direction. I like this question here. This is from I Heart Vols. This quote comes from Bruce Feldman of the Athletic. Your best athletes end up on defense. It's always been if you're not good enough to play D line, you're going to play O line. Uh, with offense, it's more mental and how they think and process. Question is what? Ha- why have so few coaches, if any, since Philip Fulmer adopted this philosophy? Brent Jeremy Pruitt adopted that philosophy for sure. Of course, look who hired him. Um, I agree with a lot of that quote, but some of that quote I don't necessarily agree with. You got to have some athleticism in there to play offensive tackle nowadays. But Jeremy Pruitt definitely put some of his athletes on defense. Christian Charles, reason he's playing in the secondary right now. Uh, Alante Taylor and and Trayvon Flowers and uh, uh, Bryce, whatever his Bryce name Thompson. is, while yeah. they're playing in the secondary. That, that's what that's what Pruitt did. Yeah, I think there's two things, Matt, that, that steps out to me. Rob, jump in here too as well. One, I think you you have a you have a shift in the game, and here's where the shift is from. Guys are developing with specialization, even at the middle school level, much less the high school level. With seven-on-seven, with off-season training, all of those types of things, you don't see as as many guys going both ways, right? You you don't see as much of that happening anymore. Two, Matt, I think with with the creation of the transfer portal, it's hard to tell a guy to move. I mean, with Jason Witten have stayed at Tennessee or would he have gone to Virginia Tech with his brother when Philip Fulmer walked in and said, hey, you're no longer a defensive end, you're a tight end. I'm not saying he would have left, but he, he didn't embrace that move. He didn't love it. You know, I think it's harder to do that in this day and age than, than it is. But I also think you're recruiting more specialized player by position now than you did 10, 15 years ago with Philip Fulmer. Yeah, I think so too. And I think you have so many more chances to evaluate these guys now. So you, you're able to talk, you know, these guys that do play both ways. Like a Mike Matthews, me personally, Mike Matthews playing safety in in my defense, but Tennessee's recruiting him as a as a wide receiver, and he can do both effectively. But you know, they've had a chance to evaluate these guys so much more and and talk that conversation with that guy, talk, talk the conversations with those guys for so long. I think that goes into it as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think you. Know, and to your point, you know, it starts in seven on seven. These guys, it, it never stops. And they start to focus on a position, probably feel a little bit better about a position, especially at the skill position, as they have success and, and they're, you know, it becomes a specialty to them. Yeah. And here's, Nashville's- here's the other thing, too, right quick. I'll share this story, Rob. I, I was doing something with, with Coach Fulmer 
that, that's going to come out um, later in, an, in another month or so, a project we've been working on. Um, and he told a story. We were talking about how kind of recruiting has changed and stuff. And he told this story. He said, you know, Jamal Lewis told me after the fact years later, I didn't know who Travis Henry was till I met him on the elevator in Gibbs Hall. Right? <laughs> it's different. All these guys know each other. Right, Rob? I mean, so you're sitting there and, and, and a guy's not going to go be the fifth corner in a class knowing there's a good chance he gets moved to the other side of the ball or the fourth receiver knowing he might get moved to the other side of the ball. I mean, these guys have a little more awareness of, of what the the class looks like and oh, what the roster looks like than it did 20 years ago. I'd, I'd be willing to bet you, Hubbard, those same two, where were Jamal and Travis ranked in that class? You took the same two running backs at the – those same two rankings, not only do they know who each other is, they probably know what five official visits they're taking yeah. or what their top five is. Yep. Different world. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Nashville 615 says Tennessee Athletics is as healthy as it's ever been. What's been the most important thing? Is it just good coaching hires, administration getting on board and going all in? And what, in your opinion, was the lowest point over the last 10 to 15 years that made you question if Tennessee would compete in major sports again? Rob, you want to lead off? Uh, what was the – was 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 early Butch and Donnie Tindall? They, they crossed paths for, for one year, if I'm not mistaken. 2000, 2014, I would say that was probably a pretty dark, bleak, bleak time. Yeah, that, that one's there um, for, for sure. Um, you know, I, I think part of it, too, if you take it off of the field and off the court a little bit, it was the continuing revolving door at the chancellor position, you know, with Jimmy Cheek and then Beverly Davenport and, 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 you know, the revolving position at the president's spot. And, I mean, again, we talked about it off the top. I mean, Danny White put a provision in his contract that says, hey, my buyout will be higher if I leave as long as Chancellor Plowman's here. That's a telling statement to the success and the health of the athletic department of how aligned they are, okay? And, and, and I'll be honest with you, this, this place has not been aligned for a long time. And maybe that's the lowest point nobody talks about, Eric, because – you don't see that. You don't feel that. There's not a scoreboard result of that. But when you can't get guys in school, right, you don't get the help that you need in recruiting. There, there, there's arguments over whose property is what on game day to who gets what profits. And, you know, all of these things go into place. Those things can really rip into the success of athletics on, on, on Tennessee's campus. And Tennessee right now has a chancellor and, and Dondi Plowman. Um, who 
is as all in on athletics as Tennessee has been since Joe Johnson was the president here on Tennessee's campus. Nobody's been, I don't know that anybody's been more all in in that position since Joe Johnson was, was in the hallways. And you're seeing the dividends. I mean, look, out of state applications for, for freshman students, what, 38,000? Yeah, up, year, which was up 45% overall in terms of the applications and admissions. I mean, that's I mean, there, by the way, I wasn't trying to get in, so I was hoping that yeah, it would well, be down 45%. Same, same here. I mean, that's how, that's how I know. I mean, I've got I've got one that is a junior right now and one that's a high school senior, and I can promise you the, the difference in, in the level of interest in prospective students is, is light years. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's a three-year difference in, in acceptance and there were three times as many out-of-state applicants as in-state applicants this year, which is mind-boggling. And, and Hubbard, oversimplified to say this all started when the big man, when Doug Dickey stepped down. And I think yeah. I mean, Mike Hamilton is a, is a great human being. He no. was not the athletic rector that, that Doug Dickey was. No, I mean, yeah, I don't think there's any doubt that, that when, you know, and, and, and Coach Dickey had a really hard time getting basketball right. Okay, I mean, it, it didn't go it didn't go well with basketball, but but he had Doug had the alignment. If you're looking at a triangle, he had the alignment where Tennessee was in alignment with the league office. Tennessee was in alignment with the chancellor and the president and and and, and Tennessee had a presence about them in all things. And, and I think they wandered through the jungle, the wilderness, the woods, the desert, whatever whatever you want to call it, whatever landscape you want to give it, they were aimlessly wandering around because they lacked alignment. And I think that's why the low point was as long as the low point has been for Tennessee. Charles Entertainment Cheese says, does anyone think that uh, Tennessee will have a 1,000-yard rusher next season, Matt? Yeah, I think there's definitely a good possibility of that. I mean, you look back to this year, um, Jabari Small and Jalen Wright both stayed, you know, very healthy, at least enough in terms of being able to stay on the field and produce. You know, both those guys have battled injuries at times. So if, if one of those guys misses a game, a game and a half, you know, something like that, you probably see a 1,000-yard rusher this year or closer to it. So, yeah, I, I think you have a chance to see that. Now, Tennessee has a little bit more of a – Running back stable, I think we touched on it the other night. Dylan Sampson has continued to progress and come along. And as Brent mentioned, you know, um, a nice piece for Jerry Mack there. But, yeah, I think Tennessee's certainly got a chance to produce a 1,000-yard rusher next year. That, to produce one, uh, Eric and Rob, that they got to have longer than four-play drives. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I mean, if if it's a four-play scoring drive, they're, they're going to have a hard time producing. And they had – a lot of four and five play scoring drives yep. this year where, where they threw it like that. I don't know that they'll be that productive. It may be a little bit more work for them to score than, than it was for stretches of this season where it was like, okay, here's one. It's coming, you know, is what it felt like. Speaking of which, the all-time college fantasy running back or vulture, Jabari Small. I mean, <laughs> do you finish with, what, 13 touchdowns and you, you, you go all the way down there to the five and they give it to him and he score? Or my favorites were – when Jalen Wright would be the workhorse for the drive and get him all the way down there, then they give it to Small and get him in there. <laughs> or Princeton Fant. Look at Princeton Fant. Yeah, Princeton Fant, five yeah. rushing touchdowns. That's yeah, true. And had six carries and five rushing touchdowns. That's Rob Lewis efficiency right there. <laughs> Princeton Fant was dipping into everybody's pass. He, he had a passing touchdown, too. He That's was like, on the graphic at the end of the year when Tennessee made about leading the nation with rushing touchdowns. Big 88 with the ball in his hands is on that graphic. 
However, that's like Paul Fortenberry scoring right on first dates in high school. That's like... <laughs> All right, all right. Let's go to the Papa Wolf. We got to burn through these here. We've been wasting our time. Uh, hey, it's not a waste. We're having a conversation here. Come on, sell it. Holy who, smokes! Who's the guy that most have forgotten about that you think can position themselves into a role to help the football team next fall? That's one question. Somebody that uh, may, maybe we're not talking about that can play a big. Well, role. I mean, I, I, we're talking about him. Hubbard just mentioned him earlier, but uh, Christian Charles. I, I think if he can get back home at safety, I'm, I'm not getting. I'm not giving up on that kid being a good football player. I'm yeah. gonna give you. I'm gonna give you an off the wall one. I'm gonna go Caleb Perry at linebacker. Maybe not a starter, Matt, but 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 Brian Jean Marie likes to play. You know, three linebackers rotate a little bit. I think, and I think Elijah Herring's a good player, and I think he did good things. Caleb Perry's a s- sneaky better player than people want to give him credit for. I'm gonna throw that bizarre one out there for you. How's that? I like that. I mean, I, he did some good things on special teams this year too. You know, he so looks I, like a million bucks. I, I'm rolling with Rob right now. I, I'm I'm going with Christian Charles. Um, I've I've heard about Christian Charles since he was probably six or eight years old and got into playing football. So I think you know I had a chance to see him multiple times. I think he's a guy that can, if he gets back to safety, finds that natural fit, can do some things for this football team. Matt so Ray with an Uncle Austin moment there. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead get off Austin's. He, he might need to get off Austin's street corner. <laughs> <laughs> uh, last year, somebody asked this question. And I said Bryson Easton because I knew he was going to be in the rotation and Rodney plays so many guys. I like that pick. I will go. I would I just say. That's a good pick for this year, too. <laughs> yeah. I will say. I will go similar thinking with Brent. I'll say Elijah Herring, though. I'll just, I'll just do another linebacker there because they are going to play more than just those two guys. Uh, another part of the question. Find a fit, too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Other part of the question here for the Papa Wolf, uh, what are your expectations for the floor for this baseball team this year? Omaha or bust, super regional, regionals, or SEC champions? And I would say, I mean, the floor, I would say, I mean, you know, the floor's got to be at least like regionals, right? I mean, you're, you know, there, there are teams that get to the, I mean, that's making the NCAA tournament, all right? You can still win the SEC tournament, make regionals or whatever. <clears throat> I've said it a couple of times. I mean, you got arms. You're going to be in a good spot. Tennessee brings back its starting rotation that are all Americans, mind you. You got depth in the bullpen. You have others who can swing in and start games if needed, like a Cannon Sewell or a Halverson or a Bimby or somebody else. And I think that lineup, you're losing a lot, but you've also added some that I think are going to be great, like Griffin Merritts, Maui Ahuna, uh, some of those other ones. So I think the floor for me would be regionals, and maybe that's just too low. But I mean, this team obviously can go to Omaha. But when we're talking floor, absolute floor, I mean, I would say regionals. Yeah, how do they hit it? You know, how how do they hit it? I mean, they they hit so many bombs last year. What what is that? What do they look like offensively? What do they look like? You know, how long does it take them to figure out what they are in the field? You know, behind this pitching. But listen, there's not a co- I don't know that there's a college football or a college baseball program in the country, Eric, that would not be willing to trade pitching staffs with Tennessee right now. Yeah. And, and I know LSU is number one in the country, but I'm not sure anybody out there, if you said, Hey, you want to swap staffs that they wouldn't go. I like my guys, but I, I like, I like that crew of guys there because they, they are, they're in a different place with a, with a pitching staff than, than most people are in college baseball. Yeah. Not just the starters too. Yeah. Death in the back end of the bullpen. Now bringing on Andrew Lindsay. I mean, it's it's the Braves won 14 straight divisional titles. They didn't do it off the bats only, right? I mean, they had those they had those arms, and so you know Tennessee's got arms. 
Let's go to West End. Mike, how many wide receivers does Tennessee take in the 2024 cycle? And what happened to J.J. Harrell? Did another team jump in there, Matt? Uh, I still – I think we touched on this a little bit. I still think the number's three. Um, we'll see what kind of combination of guys they can get. But I think the number's three. Um, J.J. Harrell, you know, I think when we first started talking about him, um, mentioned that he's a guy that I think his stock's going to soar going into the spring, and so far it has. He visited Tennessee, had a great visit, named them as leader, went to LSU, had a great visit, didn't come out calling them his leader, though. Um, you know, it, those were the two teams that had been focusing on J.J. Harrell, um, but – he, he decided that he – and he, he talked with me a little bit about this. He, he might want to put that thing in his rear view and, and get this recruitment over with at least for a little while. And he liked both those teams a lot and wanted to sit down with some family and try to make a decision. Uh, but then Alabama comes in with an offer. So, you know, I think he's got plenty to evaluate. Ole Miss has tried to work their way back into the picture there. Um, so he'll be out – he'll be in Oxford this weekend. He trains seven-on-seven seven with some Ole Miss – former Ole Miss receivers, so he, he's got a lot to weigh out. I think that's the biggest thing for J.J. Harrell in terms of backing off of his commitment, and I think he's just a guy that's going to continue to blow up. He can do a lot of things really well. Let's stay with you, Matt. We'll get a couple more in here. Daniel Hellman wants to know, are we behind in the 24 class? Seems like Georgia, some other schools are well ahead. What quarterbacks are seriously in it for the 2024 class? No, I don't. I don't think Tennessee's behind in the 2024 class. I think Tennessee's worked to to build a good foundation in terms of what they're wanting to do in recruiting and, and evaluate a lot of guys that that they're in a good spot for and will continue to be in a good spot for. You know, I think Georgia and Alabama are always going to you know grab some guys early that that they feel confident in those evals in. Um, you know, that's something that I mean, look at Tennessee. They got Jonathan Eccles in the boat last July. So, um, you know, I think for Tennessee, um, the, the biggest thing is just continuing to build on that 11-win season and, tr and trying to, you know, produce some results when it's into the spring. Eric, what was the second part of that question? Quarterbacks who were in play oh, for quarter. 24. Yeah, so, you know, Tennessee was out on the road last week and saw Jaden Davis and Jake Merklinger, and I still think right now those are the two guys. Um, you know, we, we've touched on that's a position that they're going to continue to evaluate. You know, Davis is, is a battle. I think it's going to be harder to get him here uh, with, with Nico a class ahead of him. And I don't think that speaks to him being afraid of the competition. I think he just knows there's other early opportunities for him. If he was to go to Michigan or Clemson, he could fall right in and potentially be the guy in a year or two. Um, Mark Linger, I, th I think Tennessee's definitely going to get him back to campus in the spring. And uh, he was really excited that um, – that the Tennessee staff made it out to his basketball game the other night. They were playing the number one team in the state, lost on a last-second shot. Um, so he, he texted me after that to, to tell me, again, how excited that he was. So you can imagine losing that game but still being excited enough to text somebody back, you know, and, and say, hey, you know, the, these guys were out here tonight, you know, super excited about that. So I think right now those two are the real ones. They, they offered the kid that's committed to Texas Tech. We'll see what happens there. But I, I think right now Merklinger and Davis are the two real ones as they continue to evaluate the position. Raw, this is from Sam Smith, 2233. With Texas not having anyone in the rotation over 6'10", could Tennessee go super small with Triple J and Phillips at the four and the five? Never, never. Never, you won't see that. I mean, you, they're not any smaller when they go, or they're not any bigger when they go Olivier and at the five and Josiah at the four. But no, you're not going to see Julian at the four, barring emergencies. 
Uh, this is for Matt or Brent, whoever wants to answer it. Should there be any surprises anticipated for signing day in February of 23? No, no, there's, there's nothing out there. Tennessee, Tennessee is on the, in the words of Bill Belichick, they're on to 24 and they're on to 25. Um, yeah. And 26. They're, they're, they're done in 23, unless there's a transfer that comes in. Yeah, the last the last kid in terms of high school rankings hanging around was the Lafoto kid from California, and they continued to eval there and decided not to bring him in for a visit. So that's – I'm like, Brent, that's it, unless there's a transfer. What a different world, Brent Hubbs. <laughs> yeah, it's, it, it is it is vastly, vastly different. But that that's – I mean, that's the world we live in. I mean, what, Matt, 80, 85% of this class was done August one. Who yeah. did Tennessee picked up in the fall? What the JUCO offensive lineman, Hobbs, Arion Carter, Hobbs, and Arion Hobbs. That was really their three in the fall. And and Keith, yeah, Khalifa Keith was late there. I mean, okay. over. Can you remember probably like two thousand two, two thousand four? I mean, Bobby Bowden bring in two dozen guys the last weekend. Oh, I mean, that was. I mean, I mean, Florida that was, State. That was like that was like la- I mean, Bobby Bowden's recruiting approach was like last call on a Friday night at the bar. Like, and then I mean, that whole weekend, I mean, 10 minutes till closing time. And you look up Florida state's got 22 prospects on campus for an official visit the last weekend. And, and they six, get 12. And six <laughs> or seven of them be guys that we're, you know, we're tracking, you know, it's Tennessee yeah. and Florida state. It's right. I mean, right it, 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 I mean, that was his weekend and Tennessee took the weekend um, ahead of the Martin Luther King holiday. And that was kind of Tennessee's big weekend. Florida State took the last weekend as their big weekend. And they were was- treating it like the old NCAA video games, Eric Kane. They were waiting until that last weekend, putting all 5,000 points on those guys and, <laughs> and trying to lock down that commitment. That's exactly right. Last one, guys. Have any of you guys ever watched the show How I Met Your Mother? No. That starts Doogie Hauser, right? <laughs> Barney, Barney Simpson. But he's played by Doogie Hauser, right? Neil Patrick Harris. Okay, that's Doogie House. Lover's right. It's Doogie Neil Patrick Harris. That was on after Who's the Boss came on, I think. No, Wonder Years. It came on before the Wonder Years came on. I think Matt, did you ever watch How I Met Your Mother? No. Come on, man. A great show. Big following. Eric, Mr. Rocket Top Rowdy, the, the question of the podcast here in the, the mailbag. Thank, of the 21st century. Hey, is, is thank God we're away from Andy Griffith, right? Uh, compare each member of the VolQuest staff to the How I Met Your Mother staff. So since none of you guys know any of this, I'm just going to talk to myself here and to the listeners. Um, Mr. Rocky Top Rowdy says, Brent is Ted. I can see that. But Ted is also, like, really, really, really super hopeful. But I know the no, angle you were no, going out, which no. was, like, kind of down in the dump. So I understand. <laughs> I, ain't, I am not Ted. <laughs> not Ted. But, but he's also, like, down in the dump. So, so he's I see eliminated. what he's um, AP is Barney. His reasoning is Peter Millar equals the suits that Barney wears in every episode. Uh, let's go Rob. Rob is Marshall. I'm not really sure I see that one. Um, Kane is Sandy Rivers. I like that because I'm a talking head. Ramey is Robin. I don't quite understand that. This might be my favorite. Matt is Penny and Luke, which is Ted's kids that you never, ever, people. <laughs> you never ever see. And they're only in the very beginning of each episode. So that was a that was a nice uh, nice effort there. Next week we'll do the office because I have some uh, I have some on that. Have y'all seen the office? I've not seen that show either. I have, Brent, I'm aware, Brent is I'm aware not of Michael the Scott though. Not a, Brent is not Michael Scott. Brent's not Michael Scott, and AP is not Barney Stenson. That's just all I gotta say. But I understand the Peter Millar suits. All right, we'll bring it a- to a, a close. AP's Omar from the Wire. 
not not as much conversation generated there because none of you guys know the greatest show of all time how about your mother but i do appreciate that question appreciate all the questions in here for this edition of the volquest mailbag podcast got a big weekend coming uh, coming up of course there's uh, tennessee and texas coming up on saturday that's gonna be a big one and matt there'll be a junior day coming up any uh, any names you want to throw out there just real quick i know you have a primer coming up later in the week but this is setting up to be a pretty big day for tennessee yeah, we'll have a primer coming up later in the week. But, you know, I think we touched on them on Sunday on the Rocky Top Rewind. For me, the two headliners right now that have confirmed are Jordan Marshall, the four-star running back from Ohio, and Camarion Franklin, the, the highly rated defensive lineman from Mississippi. So we'll have a little bit more on Franklin later in the week, too. Be sure to stay dialed in to VolQuest.com for everything Tennessee Volunteers news, from contract extensions to basketball news to recruiting, football, baseball, everything else, that is VolQuest.com. Appreciate you guys for watching us on YouTube, subscribing to the channel, and liking this video. For Brent Hubs, Rob Lewis, Matt Ray, I'm Eric Kane. Enjoy the rest of your Thursday. Thanks for tuning in to the VolQuest Mailbag Podcast. You've been listening to the VolQuest Mailbag Podcast every week right here on VolQuest. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.